0: Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how
1: much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit
2: the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If. Only in theatres May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news?
0: Hi, you're listening to the DPC podcast, the podcast where we talk about all things Dead Parent, the good, the bad and the banter, hosted by Sam and Kat. This week on the Dead Parent Club podcast, Sam and I had the pleasure of talking with Tamara Smith, who owns The Grieving Mind, which is a grief coaching service. And um, Tamara talks to us about her own various losses and how... They came to build The Grieving Mind as a platform, um, which is also called a Compassion Through Community, and we all know how important that is. Um, So her mission is to raise awareness about grieving by creating a new platform and understanding for the bereaved and their grieving mind. I love the way she talks about this as you know, our mind has completely altered because of grief and it needs to be treated as such. So she talks about all the things that she went through after her numerous losses and how she now helps other people. So really hope you enjoy this episode. Make sure you stay tuned throughout all of it and check her out. Perfect, right then. We shall start. So yeah, um, tomorrow if you could give a brief kind of introduction to yourself, like your name, where you're from, what you do, and then um, yeah, we'll go into kind of like your experience of grief basically. Sure, okay. Yeah, so my name is Tamara Smith.
3: I am the owner and founder of thegrievingmind.com. I experienced, um, I think it was five or six major losses back to back from December, 2009 to April, 2010. Um, so, um, I lost my mother in December. Um, she was, she was at the long end of a, a battle with cancer. Um, so she, she'd become diagnosed, um, 10 years earlier. She was cancer free for five years and then it came back and when it came back. It was, it really, it was, it came back pretty bad. So, um, I was expecting that loss. I was preparing myself for that loss. In fact, um, I began to mentally rehearse saying the words after my mom died, cause I, I knew it was going to be really difficult for me. Um, that same month, my divorce was final. Um, and in the winter, um, my business partner and I were, um, <laughs> we were in the middle of wrapping up, um, a, a business that we were running. Um, this was, so this was, uh, Yes, yeah, so it was 2010. Um, and, uh, there's a long story behind that, but we were basically sold a franchise. It wasn't really a franchise. It was fraudulent activity by the franchisor. Um, the other business owners and, and us got together and we had to sue. It was really a long process. Um, and, and again, I'm going through this as I'm taking care of my mother that's dying. Um, and, um, also during that time period, my my brother was, uh, was mentally ill. He was uh, severe bipolar with schizoaffect. And, um, he, he was, um, in and out of sobriety in and out of homes and homeless at different times. And after my mom died, he just couldn't, he just didn't know what to do with himself. He couldn't take it. Um, so he and my father got into an argument, um, on February 26th, and they had a physical altercation. My brother stole the vehicle, and he went to the um, he went to the police department that my brother that my dad worked at <laughs> that my dad had retired from, um, and was calling him from that location. And my dad is a private investigator, and he was really afraid that that my brother was going to hurt somebody because he was off of his meds and manic. He was in a severe manic episode. Mm -hmm. So um, he told, you know, when he called it in, he said, look, he's off his meds. I am a PI and I have my gun in the car. So please be careful and just get him into custody. And um, I I don't think that they were properly debriefed on what the situation was. Um, I don't think they understood that the man that they were chasing was the son of an ex-cop. And so, yeah, they, um, it was, there was a 10 car police chase. They pulled him over. Um, he had his hands on the steering wheel the entire time. He never had his hand on the gun. The gun was still in the glove compartment when they found it. And one of their guys got trigger happy and they pulled the trigger first and, and so, yeah, so he was killed that, that morning. Um, so, um, knowing that my brother was not like, wouldn't ever want to hurt anybody other than having a physical altercation with my father that night. Um, he and my dad really, really had, did not have a good relationship for a very long time. Um, but, uh, yeah, when we had the ballistics done on the car, um, uh, my dad hired, hired a private CSI team and, um, Yeah. He, he never had his, he had bullet wounds in his hands on his hands. So we knew that he was innocent. So my father sued the police department and, um, and they settled out of court. So that happened three months after I lost my mom. Yeah. Nothing could have prepared me for that. Um, statistically, statistically people that are mentally ill, especially particularly that have bipolar disorder, they don't, they don't live very long lives. Um, and I knew he probably was going to die young, but of course I never expected it to be in this horrific way. Yeah. Um, so, and then after that, after that happened, um, my aunt, (laughs) my aunt's, my mother's sister, was under the I don't know how she thought this but it was shocking to me again she was under the assumption that she was going to be receiving my mother's house um which she never was that was never written into my mom's living trust and so she went into the house and started (laughs) she started remodeling my mom's house and um yeah it was she basically tried to steal it out from under me is basically what they were doing but Um, so that was just another thing that I had to do. And that was like a month after I lost my brother. Um, so yeah, my whole life was just turned inside out. This just, you know, so, um, yeah, I I had to work really hard to, to, to get out of my grief because it was just so much at once. It was just too much for the brain to handle.
1: Wow. So how old are you at this point?
3: uh, I was 37 at the time.
1: What about other family members? Was was it just you and your brother, or did you have any? Or do you have any other siblings?
3: Yes, I have. Um, I have two other stepbrothers that um. That that I that I have from my father's third marriage. <laughs> um, but we we grew up with them, so um, I'm 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 pre- I'm pretty close to both of them. Um, and they they took it really hard. Also, you know, it was just awful to have to go through that. Um, so yeah. And they're, you know, they're men and men grieve in a different way. It's very sad to me. Um, they're not, from what I've seen, men aren't, men don't, men won't even typically, they, they won't even admit that they're grieving, you know, they might say they're stuck or lost or confused or, you know, they might have the, the, all the symptoms, but we don't make it safe for men to be vulnerable, you know? Um, and that's a big problem, and that that's something that I hope I hope to also change uh, with uh, the grieving mind.
0: Yeah, us two are really passionate about that because um, the majority of our audience is female, and you can't help but feel like it's because men find, well, some men probably um, find it harder to interact yes. with these kind of platforms. Mm-hmm. Um, and also
3: what I found is, you know, I've had some men reach out to me through my own, just my own social media community. And um, they'll, they'll, they'll tell me, hey, mm-hmm. I've, been, I've been watching your stuff for the last six. They, they won't like anything. They won't comment on anything because God mm-hmm. forbid someone else see them being vulnerable, right? That's how bad it is. Mm-hmm. But they'll reach out to me personally and send me a private message. Uh, that tells you the level, the high level of anxiety they
0: must experience around vulnerability. And they won't message you until they've sat and watched, you, like watched your account yes. for months on yeah. <laughs> end.
3: So just because you're not, you you might have mill mill followers or mill listeners that you might not ever know about because it's just that they, they might not feel safe.
0: Oh, that's so true. That is so true.
1: What was the journey from? being in kind of the depths of all of this tragedy at once,
3: how does that translate into the grieving? Sure. World? Um, yeah, you know, I, I fumbled around pretty bad for the first two years of that. I mean, it was, as you know, it's a daily struggle. It's the first thing that you mm-hmm. think of in the morning. It's awful. And the ruminating mm-hmm. is suffocating truly suffocating. Um, so, you know, I made a lot of bad decisions and, and um, yeah, I was you know, yeah, a little self-destructive for a while. I was just lost. And at the time I didn't realize that I had come to be such a caretaker of my mom and my brother. I, I didn't know that I was identified as their caretaker. I didn't know that that was, that had become a part of my identity. So when I no longer had them to take care of, I didn't know what to do with my time. Um, it was a relief, but also there was this huge void there. So I had to figure out what to do with myself. Mm. Um, so yeah, I had to basically create a system of, of self care. Um, so I was meditating every day. Um, I had access to it's called an alpha stim device. So it's a device that you clip onto your ears, and it literally increases the alpha brain waves in your brain while you're wearing it. I want wow. So what does that mean?
1: Um,
3: it's it puts you into this really wonderful um, meditative state um, that is extremely wow. calming. It's used to actually treat. There's no side effects at all, so it's used to treat um, depression and anxiety and insomnia. Um, I didn't have insomnia, but I definitely was having a lot of anxiety. Um, so, and then I would pair mm. that. So, I would wear the, my Alpha STEM device and I would pair that with um, a binaural beats meditation, which is uh, a pineal gland stimulator. Um, so, with those two things together, I was able to rewire my brain using those two things and with the meditation. And then I was taking my dog on walks in the evenings for about two hours. Yeah. And during that time, um, I would listen to Eckhart Tolle, uh, the power now. And, um, which really helped me focus on, you know, life now and what's going on now. Um, so, and then, uh, I was also listening to a lot of other, um, YouTube videos. Uh, I wasn't listening to podcasts at the time, but, um, now of course I would, but, um, so yeah, just a lot of reading, a lot of studying, a lot of meditating. Um, and I, that's,
0: were you working at this point? Yes, I was. Mm hmm.
3: Yep. So, but my, Gosh, my yeah. self care was, I mean, it was, it was almost like its own part-time job, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
3: I mean, yeah. I had to. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was spending, oh yeah, easy 20 hours a week, um, just getting myself better um it, it was just I, I, I had just had so much all at once it, I, the, the, my brain just couldn't it was just too much um and i knew that i had i knew that i had to handle
0: it it's scary um the just the sheer impact it can have on your well-being especially for yourself like going through that amount of trauma in such a short period of time
3: yes yeah um i don't know if you guys had and this, I've I've heard this with a lot of. Do you guys both lost your dads?
0: No, I lost my mom.
3: Okay, because I've been reading that losing your mother is different from losing your father. I haven't lost my father's still alive, um, but I had such a visceral reaction to losing my mother. It was shocking. It was the most raw, and I don't think I expected that. <laughs> um, and in some of the grieving groups that I contribute to from time to time, I hear the same experience. It's very interesting, um, and you know, we we come from their DNA. So, it, and this person is like no longer physically with us. So, there's got to be something to that. I don't know what it is, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it was very intense.
1: Your parents as well. Like you, just always see them as invincible. Like, you literally never, ever think or imagine that they're going to die. Or if you do, you you think that you're going to be really old by the point that they die as well. And it would be like their time. You know?
3: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I, I feel like I was young losing my mother at 37. I felt like that was really young. I mean, and that's so... And for you both to lose your parents in your, in your when you were 20, I mean... I that's yeah I can't I mean that's you have your entire life ahead of you yeah but, um it's um, funny
0: because doing this yeah. podcast has actually kind of at the same time given us perspective and also made us feel lucky because like we've spoken to people who lost their parents as babies people who never knew their mom or like and people who lost their parents when they were like nine ten years old and I just it's the, that that Kind of grief, like everybody's grief, is just so different, isn't it? But when you're grieving somebody that you hardly even know, I find that must be really hard to mm-hmm. navigate. I can't,
3: I can't even imagine um, that. Yes, I, that's that. I have a big soft spot spot for for children, and when they lose their parents so young like that, I mean, heartbreaking. That's heartbreaking. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but you know, one of the best things that I've been able to do, and I don't know if you guys have had this experience too, or if you have sought this out, but after my mom died, my great aunt, um, she's my great aunt, Patty. She's amazing. Mm-hmm. She came to my mom's house and she was 70, she was 73 at the time, came to my house for an entire week, brought lunch, and she helped me clean out the house mm-hmm. eight hours a day. And so she and I became really close after that and it was wonderful. Um, and so I've been able to cultivate this amazing relationship with her. Um, I, I see her, I try to see her once a month. She, she sends me text messages. (laughs) Um, It's been wonderful. And I, I would not have had that, you know, had, because we, I, I just, I was living my life. She lives an hour and a half away, you know, um, So it was just that was one of the most beautiful things that came out of that was getting to getting to know my great aunt and what a phenomenal person she is.
0: Yeah, Um, a very similar thing happened to me with um, my cousins and my auntie. Before my mum died, we we weren't that close. Like we're a close family, but I would never spend time really one on one with them. But now, like my cousins are like my sisters, and my auntie has been such a massive support for me. So it's amazing how such an awful thing can happen but then you can appreciate these new relationships so much more
3: yes absolutely and so what I like to do is I try to encourage people that have lost you know someone that close to them to seek out new relationships like that um that you can still experience and have this beautiful joyful love with Mm. um because it just because you know we've lost that significant parent relationship doesn't mean that we can't experience those types of relationships in other forms later on,
1: yeah, I love that so at what point then were you able to kind of see see what needed to happen to to kind of like move through this grief? I know you mentioned that you said um." Like traditional therapy wasn't for you, so at what point did you seek out that therapy, and then how did you realize that that wasn't for you, and then how did that then translate into helping others through?
3: You know, I saw a traditional I would call them LMFT here in the United States is a um, licensed marriage and family therapist, and um, I probably should have been seeing someone that had that was you know um, they had a practice in grief, um, but again, I was in so much trauma. I couldn't even think of that. Um, So I just knew it was up to me. I don't know. I don't, I just, I knew that going to see someone would would help a little bit, but because I've been through so much in such a short period of time, I knew, and because it was all so shocking and traumatic, I was going to have to work. The level of my commitment was going to have to be as high as the trauma was. So when I did, when I was doing searches at the time, this is 10 years ago now, and this is before, I think this is before even Instagram was around. (laughs) Um, and Facebook was brand new. There were no groups. There was no social support. I think I went to one grieving group and it was okay, but I also had a hard time relating because everyone there had had just one loss and it wasn't, they didn't have the compounded, um, complex grief that I had. Um, So it was actually through that summer of 2012, um, just coming to this realization, like, yeah, your mind is completely different when you're grieving, you are not yourself. Um, and that needs to be addressed and it's identity work. And, um, you know, I had to unwind a lot of, um, limiting beliefs I had about grief I think for a long time, it really, honestly, it wasn't until five years later, about 2000. Well, yeah, no, 2000, the winter of 2016, I just was, um, you know, I was also doing a lot of, you know, woo woo stuff. <laughs> I was doing everything I could. Right. So I went to sound healings. I hired an intuitive. I, <laughs> I I, would, I did anything and everything I knew how and every, anything and everything I could figure out how to do <laughs> um, I did a couple of float take sessions um, yeah it was it was just like wow this this needs to be a business this needs to be a service there's not enough information out there there's a lot of bad information um, and uh, so yeah I'm like I'm gonna and plus I was going through multiple things at once so there was legal financial, And plus all the grief stuff on top of it, where your mind is really cloudy, not thinking right, um, you're forgetful. So um, yeah, I was like, I'm going to make this a business someday. And it took me, yeah, it took me until 2016. I I finally was like, wow, I don't, I came to this thing. I was like, I don't need to, I no longer need to hold on to this grief to prove that I love them.
0: Mm, They know. So true. I think a lot, of, a lot of people struggle with that.
3: A lot of people struggle with me for because they think, well, if I'm happy if I have a day where I enjoy myself, does that? Does that mean I never love them? Of course not. Mm-hmm. Of course not. But it's yeah. such a weird thing. I mean, it literally took me that long to realize that. Um, and I think that's true for for many people. And you know, I think I I maybe was kind of in and out of victimhood, I'm sure. Um and I, was, I, had, I had a lot of anger. I had to really burn through a lot of anger um, over what what had happened. Um, so I did a lot of forgiveness work, a lot of journaling. Um, yeah. And out of that out of that journaling and forgiveness work and learning about P- complex PTSD, I had a little bit of PTSD around my brother's death and the way that it happened. Um, so I think just in learning that, I'm like, I... I need to, we need to have a paradigm shift around grief and I'm going to help do it.
0: Yeah, amazing. Yeah. So where did you get the inspiration from then for the grieving mind? Like, did you see a grief, like a, I don't know, a grief coach or a tr- transition coach yourself? I wish, I wish I, I wish I would have. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, I would have been further along, mm-hmm.
3: uh, you know, but no, I didn't even know that there was such a thing as a grief coach until um, I met a good friend of mine. <laughs> Um, and she said, you know, you should speak to my friend. She's a grief coach. And I was like, what? That's, that's a thing. You can hire someone to help you. <laughs> <with this?" laughs> um, she's like, yeah, she's, um, so yeah. Um, so I spoke with her and, um, she started off as a health coach and while she was, um, doing her health coaching, her mom got cancer and her mom died. So she uses, um, as I do, I use neurolinguistic programming um, to help my clients um, out of their um, grieving mind, essentially. So, yeah. Um, So, neurolinguistic programming (NLP) or coaching is more focused on where the person is now in their lives. You might do a little bit of personal Mm. history, but it's not it's not focused in the past. Um, It's just around creating strategies to help them get to where they want to go. And, you know, in the case of grief is sometimes it's heavy identity work. It's refiguring out who you are now without them in your life, you know, um, whether it's a death or a job that you lost or finances or a home. I mean, you know, sometimes people become very identified with, with what they do for a living, um, or, you know, um, or have you know if you're if you're a mom and you lost your child and you're really heavily identified with being a mother? I mean, that's these are big, big life shifts for people. They don't know how to navigate that because I think I think most is because nobody because we're just kind of always going through life and going through the motions. We don't really think we don't stop to to have we don't have time sometimes to have that those introspective moments where. We are, we do consider who we are, and who, who we would like to be and where our life is going. And it's these yeah. major pivotal moments that I believe are our lightning bolt of opportunity to completely change the course of our lives for the better. Um, and that's the golden, that's the golden opportunity there that I think people miss Um, because we all know that we're going to have loss we all know that we know that we're going to lose our parents someday and sometimes that someday comes way too soon Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah
1: I definitely I definitely um, feel that around um, you know we just because no one ever does speak positively Mm -hmm. of death right which you know it's not a happy thing but because most of the time especially um in like our situations like losing a parent like yes everyone loses a parent but people don't really start talking about it as like a normal thing until much later on in life Mm. when everyone's parents start dying so it's like no one and so when you tell someone that hasn't lost a parent that you've lost a parent their immediate reaction is like oh my God, that's so sad. That's the worst thing in the world. Like, I don't know what I'd ever be able to do. I could not live without my parent, blah, 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 blah. So you're just getting all this negativity from everyone else as well, which is like reinforcing your thoughts that this is a really terrible thing. Exactly. Yeah, because no one else can mm-hmm. cope. So why should I be able to cope?
0: Exactly. One of the things that I find really difficult as well, which um you just kind of touched on, is um we, we speak a lot about finding your new normal, like you said, because your life doesn't, you know, carry on as normal anymore, does it? So you have to, you know, forge your own path again. Um, But I think what I found difficult, especially with losing a parent at university, is that your life is very structured at university, like the same people around you, the same lessons. Mm -hmm. It's very kind of routine. And going back into that routine, after you've had such a life-changing kind of experience, is really weird and hard because you try and carry on as normal as if nothing has changed, but everything has changed. Everything
3: has changed. And that's why that's why it's so it's so important to it's so critical to dive in and do that deep personal work so that you can refigure out who you are again. And yeah, there is definitely a period of finding your new normal. Mm. So there's and I think it occurs in phases. It's you have to find your new normal right after the, you know, miss probably the first couple of years after the, after the loss. Um, and then you come up again to a new normal. And then once you've really recovered um, you, you know, you you really are back to yourself again. And it, it is, it is absolutely possible. Absolutely. And it's worth it. It's worth the work. It's worth the time investment. Um, and the resource investment. Um, you know, sometimes we,
2: So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
3: Sometimes we forget that we ourselves and our own very lives are worth that deep time um, and that deep self-love commitment. Mm. You know, sometimes we're just, I I think it's because we're not, often we're not taught that by our parents.
0: Yeah, we're not. We're by and by society in general, we're not taught that. Like, we're always taught to strive for the next best thing and to never settle. But it makes us not appreciate where we are now and appreciate ourselves where we are now. That's right.
3: And actually, this is the most fun part. The journey is the fun part. (laughs) You know, when you get to where yeah. you're going, usually it's like, okay, well, what's next now?
0: <laughs> Literally, that is what it's like all the time. I'm Absolutely. sure you can agree, Sam. Oh,
3: yeah,
1: 100%. So when when people come to you, tomorrow, what kind of stage of, of their... I mean, I know there's no... I definitely don't agree that there are set stages of grief, but kind of where along that people's grief journey are they? And kind of like, how do they find it? Were they are they ready to kind of, are they like actively looking for a grief coach? They're like, right. I know that I need someone to help me get through this. And how, what's kind of the first first few steps that you take someone through? Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, typically they are. and, And it depends. Like, you know, um, I, I think that sometimes people need that. They need that first six months to a year to, to just go through the emotions of the grief. Um, So if they're ready to, to work with the grief coach at that time, then that's, that's great. Um, but sometimes they're not, it also depends on the person. Do they have an internal locus of control or an external? Do they really know how much in charge of their own life and their own happiness they are? Because sometimes people, when they've been through a heavy loss like that, it's, it's easy to fall into victimhood. Um, we have this thing that comes up like, why me? Why did this happen to me? Um. But, uh, so yeah, they're, they're, they're typically, you know, they could be anywhere in that process. They could be, they could be, um, coming upon a process. Like they could, I mean, have a friend that just, that just lost her partner of 13 years. And, you know, I knew this was going to be difficult and she, she had also begun to prepare herself mentally for it. Um, but yeah, they could come to me at at any point in that process. Um, and they're usually, they're usually searching for help because they know, their symptoms are really bad. They're, maybe they're not sleeping. They're grumpy. Um, they're full of anger, and they get fired from their job. It's you know, it's usually something. Usually, with most people, they have to be really pushed to a point of pain
0: until they seek help. And um, can we discuss this, uh, like preparing yourself mentally before the event has happened? What do you suggest for people for that? Because I found that really interesting. Because I'm quite. Big at the moment on like, kind of like building like mental resilience, you know?
3: Yeah, I um, I think that's a good idea, especially if you know it's coming. I mean, and you know, you have, you have a parent that's very sick. Um, and you know that you're going to be having these conversations after the death occurs. Um, I started to say, I started to say to myself, after my mom died, it was really tough. But you know what, I got myself back and I had to work at it, but I did. So I just, I don't know how, I, knew I had to lay down that road for myself. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. yeah.
3: I, I had to see it first. I had to hear it. I had to believe in it so that I could make it happen. Um, so, yeah, I think that's very helpful if a person can start to do that for themselves if they know a death is imminent.
0: Yeah. I think I found like, uh, that's kind of um, advice I kind of wish that I'd had before my mum died was like building routines into my life that will help me afterwards or like just just start to practice them rather than kind of starting from scratch like a few months after she died and realizing that I was like shit I'm not coping yeah
1: yeah well that's the thing is isn't it like you never know how you're gonna feel at that point like if if I'd have known I mean, mean, like, yeah, like you say, actually, like I didn't have anyone at the time that could have said to me, Sam, you're going to feel like this, so just a heads up, you should probably start going to the gym before your dad dies. You know, like things like that, or start journaling now, yeah, rather than like three years down the line. But then you never know, like, especially if, I mean, it's definitely different if your parent dies suddenly, and we've spoken to a lot of people on the podcast that have been in that situation, but for me and Kat, it was we we both had time um from finding out that our parents were terminal to when they actually died um so yeah i suppose there there is more that we we could have done but you still you're so consumed at that point just by the thought of your parent yeah. dying that how can you even think past think past that to know that's what you need to do and if
3: you're and if you're there, my situation was I was her caretaker. So, I mean, sometimes, you know, there's not enough, there's not time. You're running around doing doctor's appointments. And, yeah. you know, sometimes we're, I was doing doctor appointments for two people, <laughs> my brother and her, um, yeah. and managing mm-hmm. him and his symptoms and trying to, you know, get him in a housing. And I mean, it was, sometimes there's not, there's just no space, there's no mental space to do that. Um, and I think that, Um, I would, I was lucky because I knew that I needed to. So I would take moments and I would just create, I would carve out time for myself, even if it was just an hour a week where I could begin to process my emotions around what was happening. Um, So I think that was really helpful. And even when I was taking care of her um, and I would be out, out at her home, um, I would drive out to her home and I'd stay with her four days and I'd come out to LA and then work for a really crazy, like 18 hour days for three days and go back out and take care of her. Um, but um, I would do walks while I was out there taking care of her. And that helped keep me sane because I just oh. was able to listen to music and, you know, um, and, and do something that was positive for myself that I knew was going to pull up my endorphins and, um, you know, just help me get through it.
1: Yeah. So on the topic of getting through it, so I know on your website, you have a section of how to help someone that is grieving, but what was the most helpful thing that someone did or said to you? Um, And what, what advice would you give to anyone, especially kind of because, you know, our, for our age and for our audience, there are kind of different things that um, people need as well.
3: What, 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 advice would you give to someone for how to help someone through you know grief? showing up is so important um just showing up and just being there and not trying to fix what has happened um because of course the emotions are normal and 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 a grieving person needs to go they need to walk through their own darkness they have to you have there's no getting around it you can't you can delay it maybe <laughs> um but it you have to go through the emotions to, to get on the other side of it it's the only way it's like you can't so sometimes just you know um offering you know say oh hey um and you know i've i've had situations where people don't answer the phone or they don't text back or you know sometimes you just have to just show up at the front door oh hey i brought coffee let's have some coffee or, you know. mm,
1: yeah i definitely that's something that i don't think um we're told enough is that look, sometimes we just can't get to the phone or sometimes we just don't want to text people back. Like we could have five or six people texting us and being like, are oh, you okay? What can I do to help? But in those times like, you actually don't know, that's right. You, you could not even know yourself what you need. So someone just turning up, just ignoring the fact that we're ignoring you and just go, like just go to their house. Like you say, that's go right. Go to their room.
3: Um, offer to bring yeah. dinner, you know, um, I had a friend that said, you know, mm-hmm. do you want me to come in? Do you want me to do your laundry? And even though I didn't take her up on that, I just really appreciated it. Just really appreciated it. Just anyone reaching out and just saying, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about you. I know this is tough. I'm here. Um, and just checking in, you know, checking in is important. Um, helping out with practical stuff, you know. Um especially like with especially right after the loss you know you're not you're not eating you're not sleeping you're not you don't you don't have the energy to go to this grocery store (laughs) and make a natural meal so true so
0: So, um I know you spoke about how you feel like you lost your identity a little bit after your mom and your brother died because obviously you were caretaker for them which you didn't realize was your identity until afterwards but so how would you identify yourself now that you've kind of been through all of this
3: oh um yeah no I'm just a I'm a loving kind um you know gentle generous human being that loves helping others um Mm -hmm. and is ready to help create a a paradigm shift around loss and what it teaches us um yeah. yeah so um, I, I, you'd believe it. I feel very grateful to be honest with you. Um, those losses changed me for the better forever. And it wasn't like, yeah. I mean, I was, I was a decent person before, <laughs> you know, it wasn't that, but uh, my heart just broke open with going through all that. Mm. And, you know, if, if, Apparently if that's what had to happen for that to happen, then okay. Um and if I can help to show other people how to do the same, that's and that's what I'm here to do.
0: Yeah, no, I can I can totally empathize with that. I think some and I always say like we are as much as we would love to have our parent here and as much as painful as it all was, like we do like the people that we are now and like the, the drive that it's given us, which it's great and it makes us so lucky and it means that we're able to do stuff like this, which is amazing. Um, so you spoke earlier about the grieving journal. Um, so what sure. is Sure.
3: Yeah. It's a, um, it's a grief journal that includes, um, I have a day it's a, Oh, that's another thing. A daily gratitude practice. That was definitely something I needed to do to remind myself of all the great things that I still had in my life. Um, I mean, yeah. so many, so there's a daily gratitude journal, um, piece of the journal in there, there is, um, I have writing prompts to help grievers process their emotions. Um, and I also have, um, we call it an NLP, we call it future pacing. So it's a, it's a writing prompt that, um, helps you to try to try to begin to envision your future um one year from now, two years from now, five years from now, ten years from now, because that was something that I absolutely could not could not do when I was in the crux of my grief. I couldn't I just couldn't imagine what my future would be like. Um I also have um Mm. I have an artist uh that I worked with um Laura Lynn Engel. She does um her website is um it's art by Laura Lynn and she um she does mandalas and doodles. And so I had her create all these mandalas and doodles. So that, you know, for if the children wanted to, or if an adult wanted to do some coloring as they're processing their grief, just to get your mind off the ruminating off the loss for even an hour, you know um, that was one of the best things that I was able to do for myself too, is I was able to, I was able to engage in activities that were, highly immersive so I had no choice but to truly just focus on what I was doing in the moment. Um, so I think that's helpful because when you're ruminating like that and it's every minute of every day um, it's hard to pull yourself out of that and you need to be engaged in an activity that literally will not let you think about anything else other than what you're doing so you at least get a mm. mental break from the from the ruminating. Um, so yeah, it's a PDF. It's downloadable. If any of your listeners would like it, um, they can definitely reach out to the grieving mind at thegrievingmind.com and, um, just send me an email. Say so they, they would like, uh, you know, a copy. I'll go ahead and send it right over. It's in PDF format. They can just print it from home. Um, and I would love feedback if, if there's anything that they think that should be in there and I'd, I'd love to change it. It's, you know, it's in its beginning. This is volume one. <laughs> So um, yeah, I'd like to I'd like to get it published mm-hmm. uh, this year. Actually, is what I'm looking to do. So do they, do they
0: need to contact yes. you to access yes. it off the website? Yeah.
3: Yep. So they'll register on my website, um, and yeah, I have a I'm, I'm actually in the process of creating my own YouTube channel. Oh, exciting! What's that going to be about? Um, it's going to be around um, all the all the uh, businesses and services and processes related to multiple different kinds of loss um, grief, divorce, infant death, job loss. Um, so it will be a lot of really helpful information out there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm working on, um, I'm working on building my interviews now. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. And I have another, I have a bigger idea for it too, that I'm working on. So that's, it's coming soon. (laughs) Oh, I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, these are all, these are all the things that we're not taught in school.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. so true. <laughs> You know,
3: practical life stuff. I was very lucky when, when I was going through my, when I was, when my, my mom's death was imminent and even in, in the process and after I had a business partner that was an older gentleman. He's a wonderful friend of mine, Bob Killen. He's a, he's a photographer and I was able to go to him with questions and he helped me, he helped me, you know, do the legal part of it and get things filed and, you know, I was lucky I had him. Like, and I was thinking about well, what if I were your age? What if I was 20 and I didn't have someone like that to guide me through it?
2: Where would mm-hmm. I go? Where
3: would I go for this information? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so yeah my, my, my idea is to build all of those things out, including the grief coaching services. I'm looking at building a retreat also. So, like a one day healing.
0: Healing. Uh, uh, Sam and I were literally just talking about. Doing something similar, doing an an event with the podcast, which would be great. Yeah, that's
3: wonderful. I mean, it's mm. it's you know you know people are really hurting after after loss, and and they need they need to be able to go somewhere and have an experience where they can you know begin to uh, begin to recover
0: and, and connect with people that have been through similar things. I think it's just such a big healer.
3: It is such a big healer to have mm. someone that under to have other people that understand. Because it's such an experiential thing. I if you would have told me how I felt how I was going to feel after I lost my mother, I would I probably wouldn't have believed it. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I think didn't be such a drama queen, like I'm I'm strong, yeah. I'll be fine. <laughs>
3: yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Little did you know. Yeah. <laughs> Fabulous. Um well is there anything that you wanted to talk about whilst you were on here?
1: Anything that we anything that we haven't covered so far. Um that you really wanted to make sure that you got across.
3: God, yeah, just don't wait to get help and don't wait to help yourself. Um they it is not their intention for us to suffer. Mm. You know, they want us to get back to our lives. They want us to be happy.
1: Yeah. And
3: and no matter what you've been through and how hard your losses were, you do deserve to be happy again, you know? Um and you're worth it. Love
1: that. Yeah, I definitely um love the part about, you know, they, you know, whoever they is that's passed, you know, they would hate for us to just be kind of sat, you know, sad for the rest of our lives. They don't want that. They, you know, want us to continue to thrive absolutely. and find a way through.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Find our happiness. Yes. Oh, amazing. So unfortunately we're gonna have to wrap it up, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's still so much more we could dive into. Um, <laughs> I I've,
0: I've got to go to work tomorrow. I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so so much for joining us. I've got so much insight from that, and I'm so excited to see. We'll definitely, Kat. We'll have yeah, to get order the PDF.
3: Definitely. And thank you so much for doing this project, you guys. I, this is beautiful, and I hope it leads to amazing things for you guys. And you know maybe down the road we can collaborate on something oh, we'll see oh, thank you.
1: absolutely
3: yeah. yes
1: definitely we'll stay in touch
3: yeah absolutely so you guys i hope i this is wonderful what you're doing thank you so much oh thank you
1: thank yeah. you and thank you for sharing your story i mean we know it takes but it's not easy to do so thank
3: you very much yeah thank you so much girls
0: thank you so much for listening to this week's dpc podcast We hope you've enjoyed it as much as we have and have found some comfort in the stories that you've heard today. If you've resonated with anything we've said,
1: have any questions or want to get involved, please do contact us. We are on Instagram. It's at DPC Podcast. You can email us on dpcpodcast at hotmail.com or we have a contact form on our website, www.dpcpodcast.co.uk.
0: We have a whole bunch of resources over on our website. More information about dealing with grief, losing parents and professionals to contact if you should need
1: it. Because as Kat so eloquently said in our first podcast, we're not providing
0: healthcare, we're just chatting with you. <laughs> If you think this podcast could help someone, then we would love for you to share it. We upload new podcasts every week, so make sure you subscribe
1: so you don't miss out. Loads of love from Sam and Kat. See you next Tuesday. Tuesday.